Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Frontier Beyond Fear live broadcast and podcast. I'm Susan Larison Dance, and today is Saturday, July 16th, 2022. It's a rare episode where I define it, put out a description, usually pretty close to the episode, And as I'm reflecting on the description, realize that those reflections have taken me well beyond whatever I chose to use to describe the show. And today, that has happened. I am going to be speaking about letting go. And those of you who are listening to this program in the future will see that I've chosen to describe this episode in a different way. But I'm also going to read to you the description as it is now. The description right now says, Letting go is often excellent advice when appropriate. Yet letting go isn't necessarily easy. How can we find the balance in our lives? those of you who are listening to the podcast are going to realize that description is no longer there and it has been replaced because I so greatly reflected in the time before this show after defining it on the question, how can we find balance in our lives? I realized the true message regarding letting go and advice is that only, absolutely only you, you who are listening, and I say this to myself as well, and it's a lesson I have actually known more deeply, and yet we allow voices to project this particularly, this subject in particular. It is a very natural thing to advise someone to let go, whether it's due to grief or a loss of any kind or a change or something that it's perceived you need to let go of. And yes, sometimes we do need to let go of things. And I've been going through a bit of a lesson today in that myself in a different way, which I will talk about in a moment because that I did intend to talk about today. Only you will know when it's time to let go. Only you and nobody else. 
no matter what the pursuit is, sometimes there is a sudden loss. Things change. But letting go is not about the loss that has occurred or the change that has occurred. Letting go is about your perception of whatever that is. And until you can find peace and you are ready to let go, because only you know why, each of you listening, I really want you to, if I could give you any advice today, this is really powerful advice. And I don't believe I'm the original author of this. I know that I've heard this with respect to grief. Although today I wasn't particularly talking about grief. Um, I am not in a position to speak of grief at, at such a deep level. Well, I suppose in some ways, yes, we all have had experiences of that, but I know some of you out there have experienced it much more powerfully. And I will say, you know, nobody can tell you when you are healed because letting go has to do with healing. It also does have to do with balance in the sense of it's up to you as to how something in your life may change even as it remains in your life, if it's something that can remain in your life meaningfully. It may not be in your life in the same way as you expected or had hoped or in whatever way you once thought it might be. But it's up to you, my friends, as to what feels right. Don't let other voices push this, and we all do it. I've, I've probably done it myself. This is not, um, we, we have a tendency, we want to help people, right? And so we say, you know, we try to help them to let go of something because it seems like it's pulling them down perhaps, or and maybe it is. But that is part of the growth experience. That is part of the healing. And maybe you do have some work to do with something where you need to reflect on it more, and it's fine to talk to other people. I urge you, you know, if you're in need of talking to someone about something that is really troubling you, it it's fine to talk about it, but it's back to that old, um, there's a, something that goes around Facebook quite a bit about, and I can't remember who said it, if it was someone famous, but that the best thing that you can do is just sit with someone. When there's something they need to work through, you're not in their shoes. Not a one of us is in the shoes of someone else. And so, our perception may not be exactly what that person is going through. And the only way that person is truly going to heal and let go of something that it is appropriate to let go of, because not everything has to be let go entirely, is in their own minds, in their own hearts. And so I'm going to change the description of this program because I think that it is our tendency at the higher level or at the surface level 
to want to give advice about letting go, and we all do it. But that's not what this program is about, except to say only you will know how to let go, when to let go, everything about letting go. Because this is such a deep part of our psyches, of our hearts. Our hearts, you need to trust in your heart. Now, I will tell you, coming into this episode today, I was reflecting of a variety of, a variety of things that um, I might feel I need to let go of. Sometimes, can you look at yourself and say, hmm, that feels, uh, I don't like the way that feels, you know, and so can you release a little bit? Are you gripping too much? Because that's your heart trying to help you. That's your intuition saying, okay, you know, maybe you do need to release your grip a little bit. And I can speak about so many different things. In my life, I have had to let go of all kinds of things. But have I fully let go of them? Do I really need to fully let go? I'll give you a perfect example. Some years ago, well, I've had more than more than one home. So let's look at material type things like a home. I really resisted. In fact, this relates to yet another area. I resisted letting go of a home. And it had a beautiful garden, just gorgeous. And I did not plant it. The people before me did, but I did my best. It was wilder under my care because I liked it that way, <laughs> but and sometimes too wild, I must admit, because it was not easy to maintain. Um, and I didn't like how anybody else in the days when I might have paid for that, which a day came when I wouldn't have paid because I was being much more conservative in that way. But when I first got the home, I know I had someone helping with that, and they could never do the garden right. Ultimately, when I sold this home, the new person, I mean, I don't even want to get into all of that, but they basically, in the wintertime, took it all out without ever even knowing most of it anyway, and just really just ripped it out. In fact, it even took a chainsaw to part of it. That's how much I had to let go of this garden. And, um, you know, this new person didn't want a garden, or for whatever reason this happened. It was a very... Um, it was like a violation of my soul when it happened, but at least it didn't happen in the spring, and probably it couldn't have happened in the spring because that's when its beauty would have emerged. So have I let go of my garden? Trees were cut down as well at some point, beautiful trees. Have I let go of the trees? Not completely have I let go of the house this was some years ago well it's getting more as time goes on mostly not completely am I at peace with that reality when I see 
in my Facebook memories, for example, a picture of the roses, the beautiful roses and rhododendrons and lilacs and just, it was a gorgeous, gorgeous garden. How do I feel? Well, do you hear it in my voice? I still love it. I still love it. And now when I see those things, because they don't exist anymore in reality, they only exist in the past, I celebrate them. Yes, it's poignant. We're here on this planet to experience some poignancy, and some of it can be, you know, quite severe. I know. But here, when I look at that garden, there is still a feeling of some loss, sometimes even regret. Could it have worked out where I could have stayed? Oh, you know, now it's like you know, homes go up in value, although they're starting to drop again. And Or just, you know, was there a, some way, you know, maybe I didn't do what I needed to do back then to be in that house because I loved that house. That was my dream home. And it came about in a miraculous, miraculous way. It's just a material thing, I know. But, you know, a house kind of gets imbued with your spirit, especially if it's a particular place that is very much a part, an extension of your heart. It's not just a material thing, and it could be very small. Any place you're living, it doesn't have to be some large, grand, elaborate thing. This isn't about that any place can feel this way there is a poignancy I choose to hold on to that feeling even if it hurts a little bit I can hardly think of the trees that came thank goodness they kept a beautiful sequoia hopefully I haven't seen it in a while but I would tend to think that tree was so spectacular. I can't imagine anyone would have taken it down. Although you never know. (laughs) These things are a part of my heart. I don't want to rip them out. No one else can tell me to do that. Even if they did, it wouldn't work. That's the point of it nobody can tell you you are not going to let go or it's a it's a scale letting go is not just yes or no it's not just one or zero on or off it is a progression and it may always exist in fact we even want that to be I've lived in multiple places in my life, and I, I have an appreciation for everyone, even the ones that may not have been my favorite. There was always something. And yes, this goes deeper to relationships, yes. Many of us, no doubt, have let go of relationships, and each one is different We can look at this from a different point of view as like, when is it time to release something? You know, I held on to that house, for example, longer than I probably could 
should in every way logically it probably would have been better to let it go earlier but you know things worked out a certain way and I figured I would be able to stay and life had changed it really was too big for my situation at that point relationships as well in your heart this isn't about totally letting go emotionally but in your heart and in your mind, both, sometimes it's very logical. Sometimes there is an urgency that you are saving your very life. And there are many ways of saving your life, emotionally as well, or even directly. And even though there may be some dismay, it's not easy to do. If you're in that situation, you can find a way to save it, basically. So sometimes you might look back on something and say, you know, if I had stayed in that situation, I don't know, you know, I mean, it just would have been a disaster, for example. Does that mean that you've let it go completely? Sometimes your dreams will bring back people that have been in your lives. Again, it's a spectrum. It's you. This is you. You. No, in your heart, where you're at with this. So the best thing you can do is what I'm doing today. Reflect and say, how is it? How do I feel about this, really? Have I let go? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've totally let go of that. I mean, you'll know. Or I've like, you know, that's at like 95% let go. And although, you know, that's just way in the past. Or no, no, I can't let go of this. What if you're in the midst of heartbreak? I was going to read, I am going to read some poetry today. And by the way, thank you to those of you kind of affirm that I've been looking at um, how this show unfolds. And it's a relatively quiet show, although I am grateful to Apple Podcasts um, in this past week. It seems like every once in a while, Apple Podcasts, there's there's an influx of listeners, and I don't know if they're highlighting it or, or what they're up to. And I'm always grateful to Blog Talk Radio for featuring this program while it's live. Like right now on their homepage, they featured the, the show at, under Live and Upcoming and before it starts as well. And I'm grateful for that. But, um, and in fact, let's talk about things like this broadcast you know it's not it's been on for years i mean it's been um you know it's changed over the years some in the old days there were more listens to to a variety of guests i decided not to do guests anymore i the the show has changed am i ready to let go of it no No, absolutely not. I love this show. I know that I am speaking to the future as well as the present. I know that somehow, and even if it doesn't, that just the exercise of doing this program, and to those of you who are hearing it, which makes it far more than an exercise, but let's just suppose it was just an exercise. It's a wonderful thing. My heart sings when I'm doing this program most times. And what I was going to say is I'm not going to arbitrarily 
control the length of the program. I mean, to a degree, yes, but that doesn't seem, you know, I trust that those of you who are listening will listen to what speaks to you. So I will just naturally flow until a topic is done. And today I do have some readings as well that I'll be sharing with you. So heartbreak. We've all been through it. I've been through it, you know, ever since, um, I don't know, gosh, I probably went through it to some degrees in elementary school or high school for sure and beyond. Some heartbreaks are more um, severe than others. Only you. Again, only you. And here I'm talking about, for example, romantic heartbreaks, right? Only you can know how to work with it, what, how to proceed. Um, I can think of multiple situations in my life where, um, although, you know, I don't know how many, but, but definitely, yes, of course, there are situations, and we all have this, where some, someone becomes a friend. Sometimes, you might be in a relationship of some kind and, you know, there's a hope that that person could be a friend and they just, you know, never are. Even if you initiate um, leaving that situation. To me, that's always usual. Well, I guess you can't say always. It depends on the situation. But I'm the kind of person who chooses to be a friend. And I think that's the most healthy way forward when it's healthy. I mean, if it's something where it's just a disaster and you can't um, to such a degree that somebody just has to be totally out of your life. And I guess there are some situations where it doesn't work out. I mean, it's a complicated thing, heartbreak and our relationships with one another. So I guess I can't even say that 100%. But see, that's all a part of letting go. What feels right? What doesn't, or what are you not sure about? Our emotions are very, very complicated. And like in this particular case that I was thinking about, it goes many, many years back. And I was thinking about a situation like that. Sometimes friends will return to you. That's always amazing. I've had that happen. And sometimes you just, you know, they just kind of fall out of your life. I mean, we do move on in life at times. We do. And again, it's how you feel. And sometimes it's not even about um, how you feel in the sense of you're not, you don't know. Well, again, See, that is about how you feel. See how I'm speaking in circles? Because this is a complicated topic that I've fallen into. Today, one of the things that's happening today and actually sort of prompted this program is I used to, for many, many years, have, you know, just be pivotally, I can't speak, pivotally involved in a big festival big community festival, and it's going on right now as we speak. Well, I'm not there anymore. Turns out I still help with some things, but compared to what I used to do, oh my gosh. 
And so there you have to decide, you know, how emotionally invested are you, you know, because you can think about, oh, this is happening or that. And also um, just what feels right. What feels right. We've all moved on from workplaces. Then you really do need to let go usually because you're not going to be able to inject yourself back into a workplace that you've left. But in your mind, there could still be, and in your heart, depending on the passion that you felt about that place, or maybe you had lessons that you learned there that were valuable, all of that, all of that is worthwhile. When I said in the original description, and whatever description I come up with after the program, we'll see that letting go isn't easy. Is that ever true? That's the kind of thing when we try to suggest that it is easy, we're not really going deeply enough because it isn't easy. It's only easy when you're ready. It's not easy if you're feeling like, oh, I have to do this. I should do this. I absolutely have to do this. Or their voice is saying, you have to do this. You can't ever find peace in your heart that way. You will know intuitively. You will know. And you'll also know when you want to talk about it, like if you're working through it and like you're not sure, that's fine. It's good to talk. But you will know. As time goes on, this festival that I was so involved in, I still help and I still feel some things about it because I was so involved in it. And at the very end, even, you know, it was a nonprofit, so I was president for a while. Not too long, um, just a, a year and a half or so. But even before that, just very, very involved. I mean, it was a huge part of what I was doing in my life. And it at times wasn't even logical. In fact, many times it was a volunteer thing. Maybe I should have been doing something else, but I felt needed. And it was what was there. And it had its purpose in multiple ways. Volunteer work, by the way, even though it's not not everything we do that's going to help us grow, even in very real ways, skill-type ways or growth, you know, leadership, whatever way you'd like to grow, dealing with people, customers, whatever. You can grow tremendously through volunteer opportunities. And yes, you can then translate that into professional skills. So, you know, I often would think about that in the days that I was involved. But really, deep down, there was something about this. I was a part of it. And it was a really wonderful thing to have a community activity like that. So... I see the live show is getting closer to once again um, ending the live show. I'm going to continue on. In fact, I'll be reading these poetry segments in the next part of the show. But if you are listening live, and even for those of you in the podcast, because I won't repeat this again at the end, um, FrontierBeyondFear.com. It's a little out of date, but that's where um, there's a link where you can always click to get directly to the show. That's why it's so easy to find any of the archive links. There's also links to different podcast directories, which 
I still aim to increase, getting closer. Um, and um, anything else about the show you can find out there. This program does air live every Saturday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Blog Talk Radio. So most weeks, all you'd have to do is go to blogtalkradio.com and featuring it live uh, pretty consistently um, for quite a while. Now, there are never any total guarantees there, but you can always find, find the program that way. You can just go to their homepage, scroll down, and click on it. And there's usually a reminder before the show as well and like right now it's also featured you know quite you can see it very easily um, in the live and spirituality area too so there are plenty of ways to find this program so thank you live audience i greatly appreciate you being here but you know most of you i sense are in the future. I don't. I don't know anymore who listens live and who doesn't. Um, but I also don't know who's going to discover this show in the future. It could be somebody. It could be someone in my life in the future. Some, you know, anyone, any anybody can be listening to this, and I can't know how this program is coming to you. What I do know is your energy is here across time. I can feel the presence energetically of anybody listening to this program knowing that we are present here together in this moment because there is no separation of time or of space. There are many other ways to let go. Yes, there is grief. You know, I have spoken about my father passing away many years ago. That, you know, it's interesting, but it, it was just, you know, he was very old, and and even logically and emotionally, um, it was time. Because if he had continued to live, I think, you know, it wouldn't, have been a high quality of life. And it was time. And so that was easier in letting go. Many of us have had difficulties, um, you know, in parenting, for example, when things change over the years. You have to let go continually as a parent. But see, I did it again. You have to let go. Do you hear that? Do you see how intrinsic This is. And it's not good. No, you don't have to let go. You need to be conscious of your process of letting go. I mean, yes, things will change. But you can also come to peace with, you know, thinking about your child when they were three. Have you totally let go of that? Well, obviously, if they've grown up, they're not three anymore. But you can celebrate. You can you can think about um, you know all the aspects that you remember about that time. So we can't freeze things in place. We never can. Things are changing all the time, 
And again, I'm not speaking, although I am, but I cannot know. And yet, here's another example. I can't project onto you, like those of you listening who may have lost a child, for example. I have not lived that, you know, to lose a young child. I have lived um, going through a health situation where you were really concerned, you know, that there was difficulty and it was possible, yes. And, of course, none of us is guaranteed to be here. Things happen in an instant. But have I lived that? No one can project on you. You can talk to people to help to work through it. I always recommend that if you feel you need to talk to someone. But only you will know your process, your process. And that's where I know that I have read some people who do consider themselves grief specialists, for example, will tell you that. This is your life. This is your process. And the truth of the matter is even the shoulds in your mind, it doesn't matter where they're coming from. They could be coming from you because they're everywhere. I just said it without even realizing for myself. Those shoulds don't work when it comes to letting go. No should works. It doesn't work. The only thing that works is where you are, your own process, how you are reflecting, and where that is leading your heart. That's the key. Some things hurt a lot. I can speak of that in like the heartbreak realm. I mean, there's a reason they call it that. Not not um, grief in a in like I have never lost a young child like some of you out there, but I certainly have experienced heartbreak, and I know what that feels. And it can be just very, very powerful, very powerful. Well, do I judge my process there? No, I have. But is it really recommended? Do I, talking to myself, recommending to myself, is it healthy for me to judge that? Absolutely not. It is not healthy for me to judge. In fact, it's rarely healthy to judge at all. But it's never healthy to judge. Let's put that clearly. It's a process. Do I feel the growth? You know, through all of these things, even looking at my garden, there was some heartbreak there. We get very connected to that, but it's not as powerful as some other types of things can be. It's a process. It's a process. That's what it is. Okay, I am going to shift here and read some things that came up because before the program, I did what I normally do. So these are fairly random. Yeah, I was just leafing through these books. And although I didn't choose to read everything that came that I came across, these are the things that appeared. The first, and it wasn't necessarily this order, well, maybe, I'm not sure, but this is the practice of this program, and I do it often. What comes up before, it's a highly intuitive experience, by the way, because I'm not 
saying, oh, what's that poem? You know, occasionally maybe I've heard of a poem that I'm looking for. No, this is really just opening the book, sometimes leafing through it, and seeing what it has to say, these poetry and literature books that I have. And I will once again remind you that I do this with things that are far in the past. There's no planning involved as to what I pick necessarily. There can be a little, because one today I'll explain there. But generally, I don't pick anything that could still be under copyright. And also, I pick what's in front of me available. I have one book. There have been things that have come up in the, you know, they're more modern and I'd love to read them, but I cannot know what the copyright is, so I can't read those things. So I'm going to read just an excerpt of something that came up when I was leafing through the book from Robert Browning, and I don't think I have read about, I don't think I've read anything from Robert Browning yet in this show. Robert Browning lived from 1812 to 1889, and this poem that just came up that I have never read before is called The Last Ride Together. And it's really quite remarkable, by the way, that these things just show up because I'm I have a theme, and there they are. These voices are speaking to us from the past. They can challenge us. They can be somewhat eclectic. They can speak in the language of their time. But generally, I know that when something shows up, it has something to say either to me or to someone out there. In fact, it always has something to say to me. If it didn't have anything to say to me, I probably wouldn't pick it, but... Um, sometimes I know that it may have even more to say to someone who is out there. This is just an excerpt. So I'm going to start in really the eighth stanza, and I'm only going to read eight and ten. This is um, a fairly lengthy piece. Well, it's not that long, but it's too long to read on the show. And you, great sculptor, I'll try to get this so I can read it better. Here we go. And you, great sculptor, so you gave a score of years to art, her slave. And that's your Venus, whence we turn to yonder girl that fords the burn. You acquiesce, and shall I repine? What? Man of music, you grown gray, with notes and nothing else to say. Is this your sole praise from a friend? Quote, Greatly his opera strains intend, but in music we know how fashions end. Unquote. I gave my youth, but we ride. In fine. Okay, I'm going to stop after that. This has to do, and I am spontaneously interpreting this, having never read this before to my knowledge. This, once again, is a portion of The Last Ride Together by Robert Browning, and it just randomly showed up on the theme. This has to do with our work. And how, notice the part where it says, there's a friend, 
speaking. This is actually in quotes in the in this section um, that you know this musician was so brilliant. But look, music, you know how it changes, fashions in, you know, and you got to move on, right? I gave my youth, he says. This has to do, I believe, with coming to peace with how you've invested your time. In fact, it's directly relevant to this show for me and it's directly even as it changes and to even that festival I worked on and on so many other things I gave my youth to working in computer science I gave a ton of my youth to studying 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 and being very much a scholar I'm coming back to some of that now it's not over here In fact, this has to do with aging, too. Just because you're getting older doesn't mean you have to give up your passion. I still have a passion as a writer. Now I've really developed my spontaneous speaking. Do you know when I was young, I had a heck of a time for quite a while. I had some kind of blockage, and I can think of what it was. It was due to criticism um, by a particular teacher, I think, part of it, but in any case, I mean, that was many, many years ago in high school, maybe even before. I don't know what it was, but I had trouble speaking like this. I had to write it, then say it. We can still grow in our talents. Truthfully, I believe that if you want to write a poem in the old style, which is typically how I might write, although I haven't written too much poetry since I was young, a little, not much, I write it in my style. I don't care what the style is. That style could be years ago. That style may feel like 1800. I don't care. If you are producing art, I really hope that you don't get pushed by whatever the fashion is. You need to do art in your way, not their way, not anyone's way. Do it in the way your heart wants to do it. Here's another stanza from this. This is 10. Again, reading from Robert Browning's The Last Ride Together, which I randomly found before this program. And yet, she has not spoke so long. What if heaven be that, fair and strong at life's best, with our eyes upturned, whether life's flower is first discerned, we fix so ever should so abide. What if we still ride on, we too, with life forever old yet new, changed not in kind, but in degree, the instant made eternity, and heaven just prove that I and she ride, ride together, forever ride. So here he's clearly talking about a relationship. And if you if you read the entire thing, you can see that. And how things change. Do we ever really think about bringing in a theme from this program and 
spirituality that we are in soul relationships with others. We are in soul relationships with others. And how those relationships progress in eternity. Now here, there's something, you know, rather hopeful. And he also talks about, um, you know, I think more of us are discovering, I mean, I in this moment feel every bit in terms of, um, you know, where he talks about being life's best, for example, as if, you know, if you're going to be a great artist, if you're going to be a great poet or whatever, that's only when you're young. That isn't true. That isn't true. You need to follow your heart. Um, I still have many goals. In fact, I probably have more goals than I did back then, although in somewhat different ways. And some of them are the same. Some of them have grown because talents have emerged that weren't as clear back then. But some things like writing have always been with me and some other things too. Let yourself grow. Don't be forced to let go. I made a rhyme. (laughs) Don't let anything, not somebody else's notion, not what people think about getting older, be you. Do what your heart wants. You'd be surprised what you can create. And also here, he's looking at, in fact, this can help with heartbreak as well, in the sense of, Anyone in your life is a soul person. It's part of your soul family. If it's someone um, that is powerfully in your life, and that can be the villains in your life too, the so-called villains, people who pushed you forward. You know, we can all think of situation. You know, maybe a job ended or, or some, some really challenging thing um, where, you know, you maybe didn't like a person very much. Those people can really be in partnership with you because they're helping to change your life, but they can't tell you when you're going to let go. You know, that was, I was in the corporate world for quite a while. Well, I had a complicated life in that way because I chose, because I felt that I was wanted this and needed it and I didn't even know it until it happened. Um, And circumstances also dictated that this was definitely what I wanted to do is I chose to be home with my child. Um, And different things in my life would bring me back home again. And I've been in different types of caregiving roles in that way. Trust in you and in your process. Trust. Okay, let's see what else came up. That was Robert Browning. Next was a poem that I've never seen before, again, by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, who lived from 1807 to 1882. This is from a used book, and scribbled in it because it has writing in it the the note that seems to indicate this this poem I'm about to read according to this person who wrote notes in this book was not popular well I don't know but it wants to be read and it's somewhat similar 
somewhat similar, and I'm only going to read the first part. And what's really interesting is what's in the notation. This poem, in fact, let's read the notation first, which I didn't see right at first when I opened to this. After his second wife was burned to death in 1861, Longfellow found relief in his translation of Dante's Divine Comedy, Volume 1, Inferno. That may seem rather contradictory, but yes. So that's how this poem arose. And it's entitled Divina Commedia. And I'm only going to read part of it, I think. Yeah, just part. Oh, definitely part. It's quite long. Oft have I seen at some cathedral door a laborer pausing in the dust and heat, lay down his burden and with reverent feet enter and cross himself and on the floor kneel to repeat his paternoster, which, um, let's explain, translated to our, our Father. So it's the Lord's Prayer. So he kneels to repeat the Lord's Prayer. Or, far off the noises of the world retreat, the loud vociferations of the street become an undistinguishable roar. So as I enter here from day to day and leave my burden at this minster gate, kneeling in prayer and not ashamed to pray, the tumult of the time disconsolate to inarticulate murmurs dies or to inarticulate murmurs dies away while the eternal ages watch and wait. So here Longfellow considering that he's processing a tragic death and you know, it didn't happen in the days when people were burned at the stake. So I assume that she presumably died in a fire in a house or something. I don't know the history of what happened. So his wife, his second wife, had tragically died. And what he's saying here, and again, this randomly wanted to be on this program today because I found it right before. This has to do with spirituality and eternity. And notice how it also says that he's not ashamed to pray. We can generalize that, whether you pray or just have a spiritual life, however you connect to the divine. We cannot be ashamed of whatever that is, because there are people in the world right now who will try to make you that, who will say that's old, that's Throw that away, we're all going to be materialists because that's the truth. Well, it's not the truth. And we've talked about that many times on this program. And just the chaos of the world, and he goes into this quiet place and he feels eternity while the eternal ages watch and wait. And although this can't tell you to let go, what it's what he's speaking of here is his process in the midst of spirituality 
to work with his grief is what he's doing here. And so what is it that helps you to work with your loss or your grief or whatever change that is prompting you to let go? I know for me, again, prompting, not pushing you, not saying should, that maybe there's a feeling if I need to release a little bit, and you know it in your heart, not I should. I feel like I would like to. I feel like that is right. I feel like it is time for me to release this more. Maybe, you know, in some cases you can release things completely when you need to, but you'll never totally release them because they're a part of your life. You don't need to do that. But you can let go of the pull, whatever. You have to work with yourself on this. You can talk to other people, yes, but don't let the shoulds influence because that will just make you feel bad. Because it's like, but I can't and I don't really want to, or whatever. Don't go there. Let your process work in your heart. Okay. Finally, my last reading here. This I was looking for. I felt I wanted to read something else from Walden. But I didn't know what it would be. So that I had to turn to. And this, once again becoming one of my favorite areas to read from by Henry David Thoreau, who lived from 1817 to 1862. This somewhat relates to the Browning poem in our work, but and it also has to do overall with how you feel. And I didn't know I was going to read this at all. I just came to it, and here it is. In fact, I'm going to um, start it. Well, we'll just start it on the beginning of the paragraph. This is where it showed up. Why should we be in such desperate haste to succeed and in such desperate enterprises? If a man does not keep pace with his companions, perhaps it is because he hears a different drummer. Let him step to the music which he hears, however measured or far away. It is not important that he should mature as soon as an apple tree or an oak. Shall he turn his spring into summer? If the condition of things which we were made for is not yet, what were any reality which we can substitute. We will not be shipwrecked on a vain reality. Shall we with pains erect a heaven of blue glass over ourselves, though when it is done, we shall be sure to gaze still at the true ethereal far heaven far above, as if the former we're not? Okay. That's a really interesting passage that I would have just turned to, and that's becoming very true on this broadcast overall. And here he's really speaking, and this so applies 
your process in whatever your endeavor is and in processing loss and in who you are and in what you choose to do and in what you're not sure about and in what you're feeling and whatever that thing is. Your process is yours. Who are we to judge? Somebody else is listening to a different drummer. Can you turn spring into summer instantaneously? Can you turn somebody else's spring into summer? Can you turn somebody else's winter into spring? Extending beyond that. You can certainly listen. There are times it's really helpful to talk with people. Absolutely. Be clear. I'm not telling you to just stop talking to people. If you feel that you need to talk to a coach or a counselor and you have somebody that that you're working with and that works well, that is great. I've done that myself multiple times. I've had a coach. I've had a counselor. I've had some very dysfunctional people who didn't know what the heck they were. Well, then move on. That's That takes your strength to know, to be discerning. But there are also people who really can help. But there are no shoulds here. Your spring will turn into summer when your spring is ready to turn into summer. Your winter will turn into spring when your winter is ready to turn into spring. And believe me, I am a great advocate of talking Talking. We don't do enough of that when we need to. He was also speaking when you're a young person. You know, there are young people who have the luxury, and actually they're going to be older. This can happen at any time in your life. If you have the ability to have that space to wander, for example, to explore, and it used to be young people could do this more, although the pandemic is going to change this a little bit, but there can be, this could happen at any age, but not all of us have this ability to, like, go very far. You could do it right down, um, you know, down the street, down the road. Maybe there's some beautiful place that you can walk, but you have to give yourself the time and the space This rush, rush, rush. What is he saying? Desperate, desperate haste. Why should we be in such desperate haste to succeed and in such desperate enterprises? I mean, there we're really talking about, just you can feel it in those words, desperate, desperate. And being told that you have to be a part of that. Whatever that is, well, I can tell you if you're feeling desperate in that way, no matter what the situation is, you're probably not going to be very effective. So working with the process would be helpful. Sometimes there's so many solutions in our current world that are being hastily, hastily, desperate. Boy, what a good example. Desperately, desperately pushed, pushed, pushed before there's been time. Is this going to work? Is this really going to work? That you can see this in the energy sector. You know, now we're running out and we're going to mine the whole planet or whatever because you've got to have all these batteries. Well, has anybody really thought that through enough? I mean, there may be some other options that we need to be looking at, and there are plenty of other ways and all the time. 
when it comes to just about every aspect of our lives. There's something, and often it's, you know, there's a money impulse there. Watch that. When the motivation, you know, a desperate enterprise and the motivation is someone wants to make lots of money, that's usually not a good a good motivation. I mean, maybe they will in whatever, but it's about finding what is right. And in some cases, what's really going to work. And, oh, how desperately we throw spirituality out the window because we don't think that it's useful or we don't believe in it at all. Or we label it and say, oh, this is just in this little box and I know what you believe and no. No, you don't know. You don't know. They don't know what you believe. They really don't. Nobody knows you except you. You are processing. You are flowing. I will draw the program to a close. I will make that effort at the hour. (laughs) Sometimes earlier. I chose a picture this morning of a stream that was flowing. I actually took that picture this morning. And it has to do with flow. And you see in a stream, you know, you could be carried on the torrent. Um, You could be, um, it could be flowing very gently. You could just be reflecting on the stream to find some peace. I was reflecting on the stream when I thought I would do a program on letting go. But I hadn't reflected deeply enough, not yet. Or I really wasn't thinking about anything. I remember, actually, if you want to know the truth, when I first set out walking, I was thinking about that festival, and I was too close to it, and I could feel it in my heart. So I was thinking about this and about that, and it was like getting me a little bit stressed, and it's like I'm not even, you know, it's far away. And then I stopped myself and said, I'm going to enjoy this walk. Why, you know, I don't need to be doing this. I may still... I still help them in small ways. That may eventually change. In fact, I'm sure it will. But I had to come to peace, and then I arrived at the stream, and suddenly I had forgotten all about the festival, if you want to know the truth. All I was looking at was the stream and listening to the stream. There's nothing like listening to water. And I don't have the quote handy, so I'm paraphrasing. I believe it is Lao Tzu who says that... um, Basically, the answer, well, maybe I can look it up really fast since we do have the Internet here. I know that it is a very commonly repeated quote. Well, now I'm not finding it. Maybe it isn't Lao Tzu. I'm not sure who said this. It has to do with the answer... Yeah, I can't find it. It must not have been him. Or sometimes we see a quote that's propagated on the Internet and it's not even from the person. But wherever this came from, there's a, there's something that goes around Facebook quite a bit having to do with you can find whatever your issue is. Let's just paraphrase. Listening to water or being near water will help you find your answer. And that is true. It really can help. And beauty in general can help. I know this. This is with the processing. It's not with the shoulds. So I think we will close now for today.
since we are just beyond the hour. Thank you for those of you who are listening, all of you now in the future, across time. I appreciate every one of you wherever you are in the world. I know that there are people listening in places where life is far more difficult than here, but let's not make assumptions about the United States. Life isn't always easy here either. That is an assumption that is often projected. But I know that there's some really difficult places, and who knows where this world is taking us right now, and we're going to need to be working with our hearts. That's important. And with our fears. Yes. That's what this show is about at the center. So, thank you everyone. I should be here next Saturday, once again, always live on Blog Talk Radio at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, generally on just about every Saturday, unless something some reason I can't be here. Thank you again. Take care, everyone.